Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. It is Monday, October the 24th, and I'll be your host today, Rudy Carlos, filling in for Joe McLean. I also have a good friend of ours from the show on to cover for Joe today. They are still on vacation. Please keep them in your prayers. I'm sure they would really appreciate that. And uh, we got a really awesome show today. It's, it's very rare that we have guests come into the studio, but today we have uh, a wonderful guest, and I'll introduce him in just a second because... Today on CDT, we're going to talk about something pretty serious, okay? Are you, are you sitting down right now? I hope you are. If you're not, take a seat, because today on CDT, we're going to talk about men. Now, men are often demonized for being lazy, ineffectual, and the like. I mean, uh, an image comes to mind, Homer Simpson, right? And perhaps there's a good reason for that, because most men you meet on the street, they don't know what real masculine virtue is. They don't know what real masculinity is. And it begs the question, where have all the cowboys gone? Now, at 35 past the hour, we will have a conversation with John Paul Tomba from the American, uh, uh, the American Society rather, for the defense of tradition, family, and property on the crisis of masculinity as well as the programs that they offer for young men and boys. And this is going to be a great conversation. If you have sons, keep that radio dialed in. You're going to want to tune in for that. That's 35 past the hour. And at 15 past the hour, we're going to talk about violent crime because it's on the rise. And we're going to take a look at how Minneapolis fared after the summer of fiery love. What happened to the police department? Are they filling up the ranks? Are they able to recruit new new recruits? Uh, we're going to take a look at an article from the Post Millennial. And also at our second hour at 7.05, we're going to have Tito Edwards, and he's going to give us a brand new news roundup from BigPulpit.com. BigPulpit.com is a news aggregator website, and it's run by Catholics. Wonderful place, so check it out, uh, BigPulpit.com. And as I mentioned, we have a good friend in the studio today. We have our friend Brent Haynes, my personal attorney. Brent, good morning to you. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. <laughs> How are you, Brent? How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. The weekend's always good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I find that it's a little too short, though. I, I, I How do you suspect, th- what do you think about that? Is it too short? Should I sus- we extend it to a three-day weekend? I suspect that the four-day work week will come the week after I retire. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to have a, uh, a four-day week. Really? And it was fantastic. It's uh, a lot more efficient. You do everything in those four days. You come in with guns blazing and uh, super, super efficient. Then you take Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Praise be to God. Adrian, would you like that? Good morning. Yeah, no, that would be great. (laughs) uh, It wouldn't really work for us, but I have a lot of friends that could do that. We'll pitch it to the boss. Yeah, a good idea. (laughs) I have a friend who's an electrician. He does that. He does Monday through Thursday, and he gets Friday through Sunday off. And he's like, yeah, it's great, especially since they often need me to work Friday. Which means I get a double pay. And I'm oh. like, dang. Well, that uh, sounds really nice. Dang. So there you go. Well, folks. I'll take that too then. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> lots of different uh, work schedules out there. Ours is a little unique, but there are That's a lot of other true. people who have uh, other very unique schedules. Well, keeping you informed and inspired, that's uh, five days a week. So make sure to check out GRN online forward slash CDT if you want to stay tuned with uh, with the uh, the program. You want to see what we're up to. You can join our mailing list. We send out an email every Friday. 
And you can check out our podcast feeds and social media feeds if you want to join us for the after show. That uh, starts about 7.30 uh, a.m. Central. But in any case, let's get into it today. Let's pray for your holy intentions, for those holy souls in purgatory, for the conversion of sinners, and of course, for the safe return of Joe McLean and his family. Let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now, your breaking news this morning. Good morning, everybody. Today is October the 24th, and here are your headlines. Breitbart reports, Justin Trudeau says, Ukraine war absolutely accelerating end of fossil fuels. He said the quiet thing out loud. When asked directly if the ongoing war in Ukraine would delay Canada's energy transition as European countries seek alternative sources of fossil fuels other than Russia, Trudeau answered, no, it's accelerating it. Trudeau asserted that Europe's heavy reliance on Russian oil and natural gas clearly endangered the continent and positions countries like Canada with its own abundant natural resources to usurp the dominance that tyrannies like Russia and China have taken in both fossil fuels and industries such as rare earth miner minerals and metals used for many of the projects necessary for a green so-called economy. And the New York Post reports judge rules letting New Yorkers vote by mail due to fear of COVID-19 unconstitutional. The 28-page ruling by Saratoga County Supreme Court Justice Diane Freestone ordered local boards of election to stop counting the absentee ballots they've already received. Instead, officials have to preserve the ballots until after Election Day or the resolution of a pending suit filed by a state and local GOP and conservative party leaders. Democratic officials immediately filed a notice saying that they would appeal the judge's decision. And the Epic Times reports California judge refuses to force Christian Baker to make wedding cake celebrating so-called same-sex marriage. A Christian Baker in California has prevailed in a lawsuit that a lesbian couple filed against her for refusing to bake a wedding cake to celebrate their so-called marriage on religious grounds. The plaintiff fi uh, failed to prove the discriminatory intent required by state law and the evidence also affirmatively showed that the dependents or rather the defendants offered full and equal service to the couple by referring them to a comparable bakery. And lastly, the Daily Signal reports, judge says man who shot elderly pro-life woman will go to trial. Praise be to God. Authorities arraigned a 74-year-old Richard Harvey on September 30th and charged him with felonious assault, assault with a dangerous weapon, careless discharge of a weapon causing injury and reckless use of a firearm, Michigan State Police said. His next hearing date is set for November 8th, according to a local Michigan outlet. It's not immediately clear whether Harvey was politically motivated when he shot the 84-year-old Joan Jacobson. Critics have pointed out that he described Jacobson to a 911 dispatcher as a right-wing nut. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Bartholomew de Braganza. He was, it was during his studies at Padua, which he took care to season with the practice of piety, that the future bishop had the good fortune to make the acquaintance of St. Dominic, as well as to hear some of his sermons. 
The apostolic man inspired our student with so strong a dislike for the vanities of the world that he determined to devote his talents to the service of the church. Nay, he made up his mind to follow the life which he saw exemplified in the founder of the friar's preacher and receive the habit of the order from the saint himself. Bartholomew, however, was not content to labor with tireless zeal for the suppression of the spirit of discord and for the reconciliation of individuals, families, and communities. He felt that a standing remedy was necessary to hold in check the unhappy dissensions which continually disturbed the public peace. He was persuaded that unless some such antidote was found, the preaching of the fathers could not bear the fruit they desired. Accordingly, he established a congregation or a new order to which he gave the name Chavers of Santa Maria Gloriosa. They were to employ all the means that Christian charity could suggest to put an end to dissensions, quarrels, enmities. In a word, to all that had led to the civil wars in which so much Italian blood had been shed and treasure sacrificed. They became a military order. Our pious friar preacher was busy engaged in explaining the nature and necessity of interior sacrifice to the people in place after place when the Pope summoned him to Rome to be his theologian. It came to pass it is certain that His Majesty King Saint Louis IX selected this learned and saintly son of Saint Dominic as his confessor. It is believed and not without reason that Bartholomew held this position when he wrote his little treatise on the education of princes, which he dedicated to Margaret of Provence, the consort of St. Louis. He was made Bishop of Vicenza, and carrying the spiritual treasures which he placed beyond value, he reached his Episcopal city in 1260. Both clergy and people went out to welcome him, and they marched along in procession, and they carried candles in all the branches, and often cried out in delight, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. The holy man responded to these manifestations of joy and reverence with fatherly affection. He began at once to restore his beloved church to its former beauty. With energy did he set upon the restoration of the practice of religion, good order, and peace throughout the diocese, and to repair the ravage and devastation caused by the heretics or their abettors during his absence. God bless Bartholomew's zeal, and indeed his efforts met with a success far greater than he could have expected. In a short time, the people of his diocese enjoyed the happiness of peace and tranquility, while their neighbors were continually in the turmoil of agitation and disturbance. The precise date of the holy man's death is not known, but it is agreed that he died a short time after writing his will and testament, which he had been, which has been said it is dated September 23, 1270. His keen faith, his ardent zeal for the things of God and the salvation of souls, his gentle disposition and his Christian humility were the virtues especially admired and praised in him. The practice of humility he ever knew well how to combine with rare learning and the most brilliant employments. Blessed Bartholomew de Braganza, pray for us. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 13, verses 13 through 17. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who for 18 years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, 
and she had once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound for eighteen years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he said all of this, all his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at all the splendid deeds done by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Cornelius Alapide said on this particular passage. He says, And behold, there was a woman, the spirit of infirmity, that is, uh, an infirmity sent by the evil one, says Delira. The Arabic reads, With whom was a spirit of infirmity for eighteen years, and she was bowed together and was not able to stand up by any means. This infirmity was a curving and bending of the whole body, so that the woman was compelled always to walk bent and stooping. Observe that diseases are often sent by the devils, through the permission of God, of course, for sins or for other reasons. Verse 16 shows the cause of this infirmity, this daughter of Abraham whom Satan had bound. Thus, the devil afflicted Job with various diseases. Now, in chapter 2, the same is seen in Psalms 78, verse 79, verse uh, Psalm 78, verse 49, and Matthew, chapter 9, verse 23. Uh, chapter 9, verse 23. The devil, therefore, made this woman crooked and bent to compel her always to look down upon the earth. Eighteen years it was, therefore, an inveterate and incurable disease, and as such would not be healed by the physicians, and was bowed together looking towards the ground, crooked with her head and back bent downwards. Nay, she was less able even than a beast to look up at the sun and the heavens, but must always look down at the rocks and the earth. The devil then, to turn men from heaven, makes them look downwards so that they see, love, and pursue only earthly things. Is that us today? Do we care more about our, our worldly possessions, what we're going to eat, what we're going to achieve here on earth? Are we incapable of looking towards heaven? And he continues saying, And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, with indignation because he envied Jesus, the glory of a miracle by which he had shown himself before the whole synagogue and people. To be greater than the ruler, this man made religion and zeal for the observation of a Sabbath, the cloak of his feeling. He is therefore called a, a hypocrite by Christ. Don't go away. More Catholic Drive Time right after this break. We're going to have uh, our What's Concerning Us segment. See you in a bit. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. 
Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and there's a lot of news. You know this. Have you tried looking at the news for yourself? I mean, we love what we do here. Gather up the news, keeping you informed and inspired, but uh, there's a lot to get to. And most of the time, we don't have time to get through, uh, you know, and all of the news in detail. But today, we have one article here that uh, stood out to me as something concerning. That's why we call this segment the What's Concerning Us segment, because it's concerning to us, and we think it's concerning to you as well. This is an article from the Post Millennial, which is a funny name for a website, by the way. The headline goes, Minneapolis struggles to hire police after George Floyd's death, the defund police movement. And uh, I thought this was a really interesting article because we are moving away from a country that had a shred of sanity. I mean, we're, we're uh, moving really, really quickly away. It's, I believe they call it the accelerationist theory, and this is just where we're at right now. We, we, we don't even want police officers to, uh, to patrol the neighborhoods anymore. It's crazy. And Minneapolis suffered a lot because of the, the, the George Floyd riots, and it tainted completely the, the, uh, the police department there because of what happened there. So I figured it was a, a good article to share with you. And the article goes, Minneapolis, Minnesota is struggling to recruit law enforcement officers to fill the vacant spots that were left as a result of the anti-cop movement following the 2020 death of George Floyd. Floyd's police-involved death resulted in a violent unrest and riots against police, spurring a mass exodus of officers that have yet to be replaced. That was reported by Fox News. There's a video here uh, on this article. I don't think we can play the audio here, but I'll, I'll describe this video to you. It's a, a really shocking video. I think Joe has mentioned it in the past, but there's a bunch of young kids. I mean, these kids can't be older than, I don't know, maybe five or six. And they're literally shouting obscenities at the police officers there in Minneapolis. This uh, event shattered that perspective, that, that community uh, trust that they had in the police. And it's shattered it so much that there's even videos of 
five to six-year-old kids shouting and slapping police officers. This is how far we've gotten. The article continues, Minneapolis Police Department spokesman Garrett Parton said that only uh, that they only had 57 applicants this year, down from 292 applicants in 2019. That's a massive shift. A typical class can hold up to 40 recruits, but only six people advanced from the most recent MPD class in September. So because of this event, they are now facing a crisis. Now what's going to happen? I, I mean, I just, I just want you to use a little bit of your logic here. Now what's going to happen in a big city like Minneapolis when there aren't enough police recruits, there aren't enough police on the beat, obviously crime is going to go up. He says, you can scream as loud as you want, hire more people. But if fewer people are applying, then it's not going to change the outcome much, Parton said. He also emphasized that this is not only a Minneapolis problem, saying across the country recruitment has become an issue. There are just fewer people that are applying for the job. And I can't blame them. I can't blame them at all when every single thing that they do is being recorded, blown out of context, blown out of proportion. They are hyper-focused. I mean, they have everyone looking at them. And a lot of these people, I know for a fact, because I've met a lot of people who, who, who want to go into law enforcement, they go into it for all kinds of different reasons. But overall, they want to serve and protect the city that they were from. They want to serve and protect the people that are part of the city. And they become you know, leaders in their community to try and, 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 and mitigate the crime that we're seeing so often. But it's becoming so hard for them. To, to do their job with so many eyes on them, so much pressure on them, that they don't even want to be police officers anymore. And I think we're at a point, Brent, where I think we're just starting to see the very, the very, the very crazy effects that we're going to see. Because, I mean, we're just, what, two years away from, from the George Floyd riots? And what's going to happen now when there aren't enough police officers? There are not enough officers, Rudy. Um, this is a nationwide problem. Uh, one of the lead stories on Fox News this morning was something like 4,000 New York police officers retiring. If someone mm. just goes and searches on Google for New York City police retirements, you'll see headlines such as uh, stampede of NYPD officers retiring. And many. Of the, and the shocking thing here is these officers are retiring before they get their full pension. You know, I'm fortunate enough to work in a community that generally supports law enforcement. But even where I work... It's not possible uh, to keep the uh, sheriff's office, for example, fully staffed. Wow. The sheriff's office has resorted to putting up yard signs to try to recruit people. Oh, wow. That's unbelievable. I usually teach at a police academy every year. And before COVID, before the George Floyd riots, there'd typically be, a, it's a small academy, but there'd typically be about 20 or so, 20, maybe 25 cadets in the class. When I taught earlier this year, there were eight. Wow, that's and, unreal. And only and, and only about six of those graduate, because not everybody graduates from class. Some people choose other jobs. Some people don't make it through the program. Um, and it's not just it's not just in uh, police officers. It's also in the prosecutorial ranks. Mm. There are prosecutors' offices that are at full strength, but there are a lot of prosecutors' offices uh, where they can't keep uh, their full allotment of prosecutors because a lot of uh, young people, a lot of young lawyers who are coming out of the recent. Athos and ideology of our academic system 
just think it's wrong to become prosecutors. We've created a real divisiveness in this country, and we've created a real suspicion and disrespect for law and order. You know, Brent, it's so interesting you talk about that because over the weekend I was watching the documentary by um, Candace Owens on The Daily Wire on the George Floyd riots and things like that, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter. It's very interesting. And, you know, I'm not a huge supporter of The Daily Wire. I do pay for a subscription because I like their documentaries they put out, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, and then this one on Black Lives Matter by Candace Owens. And I'm not just saying that. I, I think that a lot of their libertarian ideas are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. However... This documentary is so excellent and so worth it because it exposed what Black Lives Matter was doing financially. They were taking all this money, and not only were they um, buying large mansions, which everybody was talking, making fun of that, and it was all over the news, but even more nefarious, which this is just bad, it's not moral, but this is nefarious. They were funding people to go and organize um, across the country. And this was huge because it was there were so many people and police were saying, we don't have enough people to even deal with this. We're a local police department. We don't have the resources to take on a mob. And that's just not what we're, we're made for or trained to do. And not to mention, they were also funding, I think, like somewhere near $5 million into trans organizations, transgender organizations. So whenever we have police... They're trained to do a certain job in their community, and there's a lot of agitators outside coming in, and these police officers are like, I have, I want to go home and see my family. I don't yeah. want to be dragged out and killed in the street for what? For, for Black Lives Matter? What, for rooting and rioting? It's absurd. Uh, what do you think about this? How, you, your work in the DA office, uh, what do you think about um, what, what are the sentiment of all these police officers? Well, we see it. with um, They're voting with their feet by leaving the occupation. Yeah. And and young people are, are deciding not to come into into the occupation, into the profession to replace them. Um, you talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and the other protests against police. Remember, it was only a few years ago that there were thousands marching in the streets. Mm. And what were they saying? What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? So just, you know, just go on Google and type police ambushed and killed. More police officers were um, ambushed uh, just recently. Uh, two days ago, there was a funeral for two officers who were ambushed. Oh. I mean, these are people just going out and this is a sad way to start the day, isn't it? This is a sad way to start the week to talk about this. But this is the America we, we live in. Yeah. And, you know, people out there, including our listeners, of course, need to be engaged mm-hmm. because it's just like last week we talked about how a professor who literally wrote the top chemistry uh, textbook in the country got fired at New York University because his class is too hard and how oh, yeah. organic chemistry is <laughs> is generally a weeder class for doctors. You know what? You might think that you can avoid being involved in politics, but you've got to go to your doctor. Yeah. You've yeah. got to drive over a bridge that was built by an engineer. You better hope that he understood or she understood math when they built that engineer. Yeah. And there might be there are people out there that don't like the police, and look, there are times where police behavior should be criticized, and there's certainly as in yeah, like any whenever profession. Whenever they give me a ticket, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> whenever they pull me over for speeding. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, and let's not forget the Black Lives Matter organizer who called the police when he got mugged. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you bring up a good point there, uh, Brent. You know, like there's a sense of duty here. And we have to look at these these uh, these articles here. We have to look at this data that's coming out from the police departments, and we have to have a sense of duty. Yes, it's true that uh, all of these these uh, these mobs are trying to destroy the very fabric of our society, but we have to look at this this country as a duty. We have a duty to take care of the country. We have a duty to to 
become police officers, I dare say. You know, I think some people are afraid of, of the consequences, but I would say no. I would encourage people, anyone who wants to be a police officer, to continue in that field. Why? Because the country is going to need them. Every city is going to need them. Despite the fact of whether or not uh, the mobs are going to come after you or the system's rigged in a different favor or whatever, people are always going to need officers. Why? Because not everybody lives in Texas. Not everybody gets to pack every single day or exercise their, their Second Amendment uh, uh, you know, uh, the Second Amendment, uh, um, what am I trying to say here? Their, uh, their privilege, it's not a privilege, but their right. right. It's, it's their right, right, constitutional right to carry. Some of them are living in New York, and they're going to need police officers. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Rudy. At the same time, like I have my, my friend Timothy, he wants to be a police officer, and he, I, we, we talk, and I'm like, you know, I think it's great, and, he's, and he has the same mentality. He's like, you know, I want to serve my community. I, I believe that this is something that, that God wants me to do, to do something that stand up for people and protect the, the innocent, protect the weak. And I'm like, that's great. And I support that 100%. But, you know, it might just be good to think about that because, you know, you have a wife, you have a kid, and you're yeah. white. And, I, and it's weird to say that, but it's like, you're white. That's not going to be good for you. Like, if I joined the police office, uh, the police department, it'd be a little bit better. And if I was black, it would be even better. But even still, they hate uh, anyone who's a police officer. They call them traitors. Uh, we hear that all the time. In uh, a little bit of a hopeful note, and maybe we can talk about this in the next segment a little bit, uh, the TFP did a great campaign across America uh, praying for the police. And there was a lot of really great stories that came out of that. So maybe we can talk about that in a little bit on the other hour, other segment to try to lift up the spirits a bit. But there's definitely an element <laughs> of, of, um, of duty. So yes. I, I agree with you, Rudy. I just think, you know, there is an element of prudence that your the person needs to make when making these decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. But we can't forget that duty because eventually, as Fulton Sheen said, the streets are going to become too violent. And the, 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 the people who are godless, they're going to take up violence. Why? It's because we have forsaken violence. We've given it away. So we have to take violence again, but not towards those people and inward violence. We have to work on ourselves. We have to really bring forth the gospel of the Lord in our lives. We have to change our lives. We have to live like Christ is King. And when we do that, we're going to have a just society. Don't go away. More Catholic Drive Time on the way and our guest segment with Brent Haynes and John Paul Tomba. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights 
We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's a couple more headlines for you. Just the News reports, blue cities are bleeding. Homicide rates surging in major cities run by Soros-backed DAs. Homicide, homicide rates rose by an average of nearly 10% in 50 of the most populated U.S. cities between the third quarter of last year and the third quarter of this year, and they're still rising. The, uh, the list goes here. Uh, the list goes on to uh, from 1 to 10. These are the most violent cities. St. Louis, Louis, Missouri. Kansas City, Detroit, Michigan, Baltimore, New Orleans, Milwaukee, Memphis, and Philadelphia, Norfolk, Virginia, and Chicago, Illinois. The top prosecutors in most of these cities are backed by progressive mega-donor George Soros, a billionaire who spent the last several years injecting tens of millions of dollars into local district attorney races nationwide, backing candidates who support policies such as abolishing bail, defunding the police and decriminalizing or deprioritizing certain offenses. We're going to talk about this a little bit more on Friday, so don't don't miss out on that. And Breitbart News reports Christian preacher paid 10,000 pounds by London police after wrongful arrests for reporting Islamist threats. Hatun Tash, a Turkish-born evangelist and mainstay of Speaker's Corner, who is frequently critical of the Quran, has received 10,000 pounds in financial compensation and an apology from the Met, so from the Metropolitan Police Department, for being wrongfully arrested in 2020 and last year. During both incidents, she had informed officers that Muslim protesters were threatening her. However, rather than seeking to protect her, the police arrested Tash for breaching the peace. After one instance in which she was held by police for over 24 hours without charge. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Back to you, Brent. Hey, thank you, Rudy. Uh, talking about uh, masculinity today, we were talking about police earlier. Um, that's certainly a role that has men and women in it. Um, but the attack on police is just one aspect of the attacks that are going on uh, in our society about our traditional beliefs. Um, we've talked before on the program about uh Drag queen story hours. We've talked about mm. queer theory in schools. Well, another aspect along this full spectrum assault is a, an assault on traditional masculinity. And we see that, uh, for example, in saying, uh, in, in insisting that we have non-binary people, for example. Oh, yeah. And so now boys and young men, uh, boys grow up to be men now in this environment with the background of the, or within the context of a society that is essentially saying or suggesting, sometimes outright telling them that their their natural instincts are wrong hmm. and the traditional notions of manhood are wrong. And fortunately, we have some people in the church who are addressing that. We have with us today from Tradition, Family, and Property, John Paul Tomba. John, welcome. Good morning, Brent. Tell us, uh, what is the TFP doing in terms of programs with boys and young men that you work on yourself? Yeah, so with boys and young men, we have uh, two different age groups we work with. So we've got the younger boys and we have the university-age students. 
Um, would you like to hear first? Like uh, we do for the younger boys, um, we do what we call call the chivalry camps. And the idea with call the chivalry camps is exactly what you're saying. Um, you've got basically everything in society is working against these boys, um, whether it be, you know, broken families or a fatherless household or just the fact that the world's beating down and telling them that, you know, they don't actually need to grow up and be a man, uh, things like that. So the idea with the call to chivalry camps is that, uh, first off, we take the boys out of context. You know, we'll, uh, we'll go to a certain location. This summer it was in uh, Louisiana at a retreat center. Uh, we actually have one coming up uh, in November in the Ozark region of Arkansas. But the idea is that we give the boys Catholic role models and we take them into a Catholic environment and give them a chance to really just be boys, but in a Catholic environment promoting, promoting the virtues of chivalry and especially with talks on Catholic heroes and crusaders. You know what's super interesting about that is, um, you know, I know I have some boys at my parish who go to the cult of chivalry camps. At least the, they go to the ones that are monthly, uh, not the not the camps are not old enough yet. But they they come to me and they're like, oh my goodness, you know, I can't wait until I'm older so I can go to the cult of chivalry camp. And they're really excited and they always look forward to the the monthly times where they can go and learn how to sword fight, but also hear these edifying talks could you talk about a little bit about the uh, what is chivalry and you know one thing that really stood out to me whenever i went to go to one of your called chivalry camps was the fact that you'll serve the the kids they're young kids but you serve them food in such a way that it's like they're adults eating out of fine dining almost hmm. uh, could you talk a little bit about that oh yeah exactly so uh one thing the boys do say about the camps is how good the food is um but Anyways, the, we always eat with real plates and real silverware. Um, we want to be as civilized as possible because, um, one, that's how you become a man, but also it, boys sometimes don't have that at home. Um, sometimes they're not necessarily even taught manners. Um, you're not necessarily dealing with the cream of the crop at these camps. So uh, the idea is that, yeah, take the boys um, into a different environment and show them how to become men. There's a gentleman at my church, my parish, I know, who has volunteered in the past as sort of a not exactly big brother type but or foster father type, but it's sort of a mentor mm. for a, a young uh, grade school uh, child. And he told me that the first thing he taught this boy was how to shake hands. Mm. I mean, think about that. You know, we've reached a point in society where there are boys that are growing up and they have to be explicitly taught how to shake hands or so look then, people in the eye or look people in the eye yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. right so john paul um these chivalry camps uh what kind of programs do you have that boys are telling adrian they can't wait till they get there i mean are you do you have programs for example to help them to choose proper pronouns <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely not the pronouns at our camps are him he and him, that's it. Um, <laughs> no, and also uh, the camps are boys only uh, for the reason that you don't have any distractions at the camp, uh, pure mm -hmm. and simple. Mm -hmm. But no, the call to chivalry camps are, uh, and the reason Adrian's saying, well, I, I was the same way. Um, when I was a boy, uh, you know, under the age for the camp starts at 12. We go from 12 to 18. Um, I couldn't wait to go to the camps. I went and visited once, and I saw all the boys, you know, standing at attention position before meals and then everyone's hands were folded at the same time and everyone prayed and also when everybody prays um it's not very often you get to hear you know 40 men praying together at the same time it's really an impressive sound so everything about the camps it's militant because we're the church militant even though we're not a military organization but 
Um, we also teach the boys how to uh, how to use a sword. Um, most of the TV members, we were actually trained by a fencing master up in Pennsylvania, so um, we're pretty handy with swords. <laughs> We, we make uh, foam swords for the boys to use, so nobody gets hurt, obviously. But um, there's we follow St. John Bosco's method, which is you have to work the body, the soul, and the mind uh, every day. Um, and one of, those, uh, one of those activities is you know two and a half hours of field games. So it might be a game with a ball, although we don't play football or soccer or even baseball at the camps. We play different games, which is a topic for another time. But um, well, what the boys really like are also the sword battles. And that goes completely against uh, this new notion of the man that we're supposed to follow today. Yeah, that's so true, John Paul. You know, like I, I was thinking as you were saying that, that uh, there's a tendency now with our, our, our modern age to look at boys and they see like the energy that young men have. You know, young boys are just, they're like balls of energy, right? And so there's a tendency to see that and say, oh, that boy, he has ADD. He has to, he has to be on medication. We got to temper it. Whereas back in the day, it used to be like these boys were able to express that that energy that they have, and that's that's a gift from God. Um, do you see that uh, the the kids that come into these programs are they able to express that at home, or or are, is that something you have to like tease out of them uh, through the programs? You know, it depends. Um, uh, some of the boys I would say have that, like they're they're kept pretty docile at home. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily that they're just put on medication, but even you'd be surprised, even the shyest boy who you can't even get to speak, and that's just how some people are, that's fine, but you give him a sword, and he already <laughs> knows what to do with it. And it, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And even some of the little ones, um, the last fall camp we did in Arkansas, um, I saw, for, I was filming with my phone, I saw firsthand one of the boys, he was the smallest one at the camp, and there was a boy who was about 16, but he was like six foot three. This this little boy, the small one, he grabbed one of the the swords in the battle and just ran at the oldest boy, and he got him. <laughs> he actually, it was just fearless out there. But he's a little introverted kid. Yeah. But you put a sword in his hand, and uh, it, it brings out the best in the boys. It really does. Mm. Well, this is uh, you know this gets at the real falsehood of the modern idea of gender identity, which believes that it's entirely a social construct, that there's nothing biological, that there's exactly. nothing inherent or natural in being a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. A few years ago, in 2018, the American Psychological Association re released their guidelines on how to treat men. And that's where the phrase toxic masculinity really took off. Um. And again, when you look at those guidelines, and to be fair to the APA, at least one of the divisions has backed off of that at least a little bit. But the general idea, when you look at their guidelines, is that gender is a social construct, as if chromosomes and hormones and your natural biology has absolutely nothing to do with, with, uh, with who you are as a person. Um, your story about putting a sword in the little boy's hands, this whole idea has been building for years. And that story about putting the sword in little boy's hands reminds me of an article I read in one of the national news magazines years ago probably about 30 years ago, because this has been building for decades. And the article talked about little boys and little girls, and it said that when uh, these people were frustrated because when they would give dolls to little boys to play with, they would hit each other over the head exactly. and point them at each other and say, bang, bang. <laughs> After the break, we'll talk about your programs for uh, older boys. We'll be right back. Ladies and 
gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Welcome back. We're talking with John Paul Tomba from Tradition, Family, and Property about programs for boys and young men and teaching masculinity in a society that now desperately needs it in many situations. Uh, John Paul, you talked about the chivalry camps and letting boys participate in sports and games and competitive activities and putting swords in their hands and how a lot of them really come to life there. Uh, what about older boys and young men? What kind of work do you do with them? So the the young men, it's it's a little different dynamic. Um, obviously, they're normally they're college age, so early twenties, um, at least over eighteen, early twenties. Um, what we what we do with them is we'll actually go to universities um, and we will debate with other students. So um, just recently, um, we were at uh, University of Houston. Adrian was actually there with us. Um, it, it was a, it was a good day, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Excuse me. We. We um we will um I'm trying to say here the the idea with the older boys is that we give them more formation because especially coming out of college um you got a lot working against you at university nowadays especially when you're trying mm. to be a traditional Catholic um it's very very hard to do so we will actually have talks um, about Catholic heroes we may watch a documentary we will have um, discussions about, for example, true devotion to Our Lady, uh, open to those uh, young men who are college age. And then um, once once they're prepared, once they're ready to go out to battle, that's when we'll head out to the universities. And we just go to the university with uh, a banner. Let's say uh, the banner will say, um, pray the rosary to end abortion. And you can pick, take your pick with the university. You can imagine what happens when a bunch <laughs> seen of men. The videos. You've seen the videos. Okay, yeah. great, great. If anyone hasn't seen the videos, you can go to TFP Student Action on YouTube. It's, uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. But the idea is that um, the boys, or um, excuse me, the young men, that is our crusade nowadays. Um, it's our crusade isn't you know with swords and armor anymore. It's with ideals and it's with the rosary, um, and it's with arguments, logic. So Amen. that that's what we do on the universities and. Um, I don't think we have time to go into detail on specific examples from a university, but um, that, that's, that's mainly what we do uh, with the older gentlemen. And uh, what about the also do um, these 
Camp, like oh, not not so much camps. I guess it's more called uh, like conferences. You have conferences throughout the year. Um, sometimes local conferences um, that happen in, in in specific cities, but also you have uh, the national conferences. They all have a couple times a year, and that's um, some of them are made for just young men. Some are for specifically a armed to, uh, aimed to college students. Uh, talk about those a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So we uh, we call those uh, TFP student action conferences. Um, that's our you know young men's action. We the idea is to take the uh, the young men out of context, you know, out of their day to day lives, and give them a Catholic environment, especially uh, to discuss you know the issues of the day around other like minded Catholic young men, because uh, it can be easy to feel alone at a university at thinking you're the only you know good Catholic on the campus. Yeah, um, we had one recently. Uh, we were blessed to be able to do it at a uh, it's called Running Cougar Ranch last year. Um, and we had, oh goodness, I think it was, I want to say it was at least 15, uh, 15 college students from around the country. Uh, there were talks. We flew in, uh, older, more experienced TF members to, to give talks on, you know, why the need for student action, why the need for, uh, traditional masculinity. Um, and of course our, our ever present theme, true devotion to our lady. We, uh, we will be doing another one this, uh, it won't, it won't be this year. It'll be next year, uh, straddling the new year. Uh, at our headquarters in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, our TFP Student Action Conference. We hope to have uh, as many as 20 young men there this year. Um, and uh, I think Adrian was Adrian was, was at one of those uh, a few years ago, few years was it, ago. Adrian? It was like yeah, four years ago at this point. Yeah, exactly. It was a long time ago. So how many conferences do you all have in a typical year, and how many college campuses are you all involved with? So the conferences, it's not as many as we'd like because um, it takes a lot of organization. We don't have that much manpower here in Texas, unfortunately. Uh, we try to do two, one locally and then one nationally, which we were able to do this year. And in terms of universities, oh, goodness, um, just from my experience being in the TFP full-time five years now, oh, my, um, I don't know if I could count all the universities I've been to, actually, but um, a lot of the big names, George Washington University, we've been to a few times, uh, Villanova, of course, this is back when I lived up north, now I live here in Houston, here in Houston, uh, we'll, we've been to Rice, we've been to U of H main campus, uh, we've been to UST a few times. Um, let's see, um, there's others, the names are escaping me now, but we, we try to go at least once a week here in Houston, hmm. and uh, we'll rally the troops. And that's so across speak. the board on all the, the TFP centers, correct? Uh, pretty much. Uh, if, there, if there's enough uh, members there in, at the TFP center, we, we try to go somewhere every week. How many TFP centers are there in the entire country? There's 13. And so are you all pretty much operating from coast to coast? Yes. We uh, literally coast to coast. We have, um, we have our northeastern centers, um, and then we have uh, a few centers in California as well. And then even uh, down southeast in Florida, we have two. That's great. You know, John Paul, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about our boys. Yeah. You know, uh, something that I've observed, I, I'm, I'm not that old, everybody. You know, I'm just... I'm 32 years old. Yikes! But, so old. <laughs> yeah, compared to you, but <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm not that old. But I, I am seeing this this trend, right? And it's a really worrying trend for me because I now have daughters. You know, I have I have one in the oven, one's one year old, and I'm thinking about her future. And you know, God is going to choose her vocation, and whatever it is, praise be to God. If it's marriage, may it be holy and pleasing to Him. If it's a religious life. Praise be to God. May all of her life be for God. But I think about marriage sometimes, and I think, man, the, the, the pickings out there are pretty slim 
because a lot of the boys that I've seen, a lot of the, the, the people my age, frankly, they're stuck in this perpetual adolescence. They can't, they can't just like be men. They, they, they're, they're slaves to their passions. They're hooked on video games. They waste so much time. They, they waste and squander their potential. Uh, how how much of of the work are you guys doing to undo all of that? Uh, do you, do you have you seen that personally? Is it a lot of work? Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, are, is it just like a specific kind of guy that you have to work with to to get rid of that, or is it all across the board perpetual adolescence? That's what you're seeing. I wouldn't. That's uh, that's a good question. I wouldn't say across the board perpetual adolescence, but what I am seeing. Um, I am seeing, you know, just as the generations go by, and I mean, it's painfully obvious to all y'all, um, the, that perpetual adolescence, you're seeing it more and more. Mm. Um, because I remember the first time it, it was, it was years ago, back when I was going to call the chivalry camps, that was the first time I had heard of a grown man playing video games. I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. I mean, we, we all did it as kids. Um, and that, that's one thing that we do not allow at the call to chivalry camps. Uh, if you permit me to go back to that for a second. Um, there's no video games and there's no cell phones mm-hmm. and everyone's happy. Let that, let that sink in for a minute. Right. Yeah. Um, but even, even with the, uh, even with the older guys, the, the, the joy, the happiness that comes from going out there to a university campus and doing battle. And it is a battle because you have people coming to you with tough questions and, the for instance we were at uh, U of H uh, last Tuesday and we were there were people that uh, approached us and they had questions you know about TFP and more about um, the whole LGBT issue mainly and but these people they were par excellence these people who are stuck in a perpetual adolescence they I mean God bless them I don't know what their situation is but they. A few, some of them didn't look like they really knew how to take care of themselves or but this is an institution of higher learning so we're trying we're really trying to draw out you know the good people who they think they're alone and um we're exposing the, the other side for who they really are uh just if i could have just one more thing um personally from my personal experience we had more support actually this time than I've personally seen at a university this last mm. Tuesday. Yeah, I agree. I was there and it was, it was surprising, uh, but it's also surprising how many people are like, I support you guys, but I, I, I can't, can't do I can't, it. I can't actually associate. The, the thumbs up behind the <laughs> yeah, textbook. The thumbs yeah. Up, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of guys like that, but you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that there's a number of things there. One thing I just want to mention in passing is that, yeah, I mean, the, the way people dress, especially at college campuses, they dress like they're going to sleep. They dress in pajamas going off to class. And I, you know, I wore jeans and I wore a, a collared shirt and I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm dressed really well. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm dressed a, <laughs> exactly. a very appropriate way. And it wasn't until I met the TFP that I realized I go, wow, I'm, I look like, <laughs> I look like a slob. <laughs> but, uh, at a different point and going back to, um, talking about the perpetual adolescence, you know, it really broke my heart. I went to one of your, in your camps to help out a couple years ago and one of the boys I was sitting at with lunch I really like the whole idea of like making sure that you get rid of the tendencies uh, towards uh, a frivolous conversation and mm-hmm. elevating the conversation so we're talking with the boys and it just came up that uh, one of the boys like yeah when I was in, um, he was he was 12 years old he was like yeah about three or four years ago I started uh, watching pornography and he was like, yeah, it was horrible and yada, yada, yada. Man. And he was talking about how grateful he was for the TFP camp. And I was like heartbroken. I was like, this kid is 12 years old. Four years ago, he, yeah. he was like eight years old whenever that happened. That is 
heartbreaking. Can you talk a little bit about like what situation are these kids coming to y'all as and a little bit about like the idea of elevating their conversation and getting the tendencies in their conversations? Yeah, absolutely. So tendency in conversation or conversation nowadays tends to uh, I mean, amongst the boys <laughs> with, with men, it's different. It usually devolves into politics, but <laughs> uh, among, amongst boys, it, it tends to devolve into uh, either sports, specifically sports players or celebrities. It's amazing how much these kids know about celebrities, even though they're 12. Um, but also, yeah, just, or video games uh, in general. Um, we want to elevate the conversation to higher things. Um, like even even just basically what do you want to do with your life? Why, why are you here? Um, do you pray the rosary every day? Just important questions that we need to be asking. Um, also telling them about saints, uh, giving them real Catholic role models because they only have celebrities and football players. Mm. Well, there's a, you know, despite all of the attempts to just basically destroy traditional masculinity, there's, and Despite this pretense that it's a social that masculinity is simply a social construct or gender mm-hmm. ide- roles are a social construct, there's still that natural reality, and we still see that coming out with a lot of young men, and you see that in certain phenomena in our society. For example, you look at the Joe Rogan podcast. You know, here's a man who's a comedian and an MMA commentator. He gets tens of millions of listeners, predominantly young men. Look at Jordan Peterson, the famous professor from Canada who's now giving talks on the Bible, who he's a professor and he sells out auditoriums. And who is his dominant audience, to uh, at least to a large extent? Young men. Yeah. So there's a hunger out there for young men who are looking for outlets for traditional manhood. And, you know, we're grateful that TFP is there to assist them from boyhood up through college. Thank you for coming in today, John Paul. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. Well, that's going to do it for our first hour here. Stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time. we got more to come on the next segment. We have fear and trembling. And we also have Tito Edwards to give us a news recap from BigPulpit.com. Praise be to God. Wait for, uh, wait for this uh, short break, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. 
Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening to, I've learned so much. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to GRN. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah. And we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos filling in for Joe McLean. If in case you're wondering, who is this new voice? I haven't heard him as much. Well, uh, well, here I am, Rudy Carlos. And you know, I just I kind of like sitting on this side of the studio. So maybe when Joe comes back, we'll move him on that side. Adrian, what do you think? Right, right, right. I'm sure Joe would be so happy. He'd be like, yeah, Rudy, you can take my spot. In fact, take my job. I'm going to go home. That's probably, that's probably what he'll say. It, maybe he'll uh, take on video games or something. Yeah, Joe is a real, he's a huge gamer, I've heard. Oh, heard he, he plays video games all the time when he's not uh, at work or hunting or with his friend or with his sons, <laughs> taking them to uh, all the server training. He's usually playing video games. Well, listen, I got a confession to make. Okay. I still play video games. <gasps> I play like maybe I don't know an hour here and there, mm-hmm. but it's it used to be a lot worse. And in fact, uh, in the after show, I'll reveal to you how much time I've played in one particular video game. Yikes. So join us for the after show if you want to join any of the social feeds that uh, we stream to. You can go to grnonline.com/cdt. We stream to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, Facebook, basically anywhere that you can imagine. And you can join us there and interact with us live, so we always enjoy that for the after show. Please consider joining today. Now, uh, yeah, it's it's more difficult to uh, to dedicate time to that sort of things because when you become a father and you take it seriously, you realize you have a vocation not only for yourself but another vocation that you have to cultivate. I have my daughter, my other daughter's on the way, and I'm taking that job pretty seriously because – the end of your life what's going to happen you're going to you're going to come before the blessed lord and he's going to say what did you do with your life what did you do with those souls that were under your care yeah what did you do with my daughter exactly yeah. because the kids kids aren't our kids the kids are entrusted to us so it's uh it's a, a very sobering thing and I, I hope more more boys and men are are interested in the tfp and what they do and maybe they they join some of those programs that uh, they're a part of that they have uh, available rather and uh, and really become the man that God called them to be. Amen, amen, brother. You know, uh, if people want to 
ask questions to Mr. John Paul Tomba. Maybe we can, uh, he has a friend in the studio as well, Mr. William Gossick. Maybe we can rope him into the conversation as well. If you want to ask questions directly to them, then join us in the after show on our social media feeds on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. Just hop in onto our social streams. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on any of those platforms, and you can join us there and ask questions during our after show, which is in 30 minutes. Awesome. Yes. Well, uh, in this hour, we have a couple things to get to. Uh, We have Tito Edwards from Big Pulpit, who's going to join us in just a few minutes. But we also have our game show, Fear and Trembling. And if you want to hedge your bets early, you want to, you know, I'm talking about early, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. You can go on to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You're going to see the number there. And you could call that right now if you wanted. You could sit there on hold as long as you want. And you'll be the first caller this week. Now, this week, a very interesting prize. I'm not going to reveal it to you today. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a mystery prize. So we're going to let you know at the end of the week on Friday what that prize is. And I think that would be pretty enticing for you. So check out the the number there on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Now joining us via Zoom right now is our good friend Tito Edwards. He is the the man behind the curtain there at uh, bigpulpit.com, the news aggregator website. And he's a faithful Catholic. Good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. And good morning, Brent. Tito, I uh, I got to ask you this. I, I need the inside baseball. Okay, how is it? Uh, how is how is the operation? What, what's involved in aggregating all of these different news sites for BigPulpit.com? Well, that it's just a uh, lots of. Uh, a f- several years of experience of trying to figure out the right way to do it. I do not visit each website. What I do is I have a reader, uh, a special reader, and I collect all the links that uh, all the websites that I believe uh, Catholics would enjoy reading Hmm. and I have them all in one feeder and I filter them uh, through a process of using keywords and search search items. So, uh, that saves a lot of time. It's, it's amazing how much time it takes. Uh, with, how much time it takes when you visit each and indivi- each in every individual website, mm-hmm. and the number of keystrokes you can save. I mean, I, I've shaved two hours off of my uh, search for links, uh, just having everything on one feeder. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, you sent me the Monday edition for the uh, for BigPulpit.com. There's a lot of great stories on here. Uh, what what are some of the stories that stood out to you this week? A big one that is making waves more than usual uh, in the Catholic world, especially the Vatican, is the Pontifical Academy for Life. The director, Mazzacuto, uh, mm. she is a pro-abortionist. She is a Darwinist. She is a Maltusian. And she is the head of St. John Paul II's Pontifical Academy for Life that was set up for the protection of innocent unborn children mm. and and uh it has caused a firestorm priests lay people even bishops have co- have commented on on the poor choice of having mazakudo as a head and archbishop paglia the the leader the president of the pontifical academy for life has defended her saying that she the the pro-life represents a, a wide spectrum of of issues not just abortion and they're definitely against abortion but it includes uh 
uh, eliminating the death penalty, ensuring that there are uh, gift toys and McDonald's happy meals for starving children, hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, so, and so on and so forth. And over the weekend, one of the six board members uh, came out and demanded uh, abortion on demand so they will not have deaths of, of people getting illegal abortions. Yeah, I mean, you and, talk and about so, the priorities yes. are shifted right there, huh? Yes, yes. And now we need to remember Archbishop Paglia is the same one that has uh, promoted a lot of uh, questionable art, marble uh, statues and paintings of homoerotic <laughs> uh, scenes of the Bible. Mm. And so th this, it, the vision of, of St. John Paul II has been completely hijacked from uh, from what the original intention is. And, and I would like to add my voice to the growing chorus of demanding that they remove the directors and Mazakudo, uh immediately. This is uncalled for. They are not Catholic. She's an atheist. Mazakudo mm. is an atheist. So it, it is it is a disgrace. Uh, it is uncalled for. This is completely distorting. It's a dis, dis, distortion, distortion of uh, the view. <laughs> yeah. You Thank know, you. And, and one of the things that's really concerning for me is um, – Everything I read says that it's these appointments are approved by the Pope. And that's concerning to me because the Pope has to know who these people are, you know, and it, it's it's um, it's surprising to me that that the the Vatican continues to double down on these bad optics. Why do you think that the Pontifical Academy for Life is is becoming so compromised at this point? Is this is this like part of the plan or what do you think? I think it's part of the plan. It, it, Pope Francis has a has a vision that uh, does not conform with Pope Paul VI, with Pope John Paul II, and mm. Pope Benedict the the, the sixteenth at all. His vision is that of uh, the the misinterpretation of Vatican II, of uh, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, which in, in actuality is just doing whatever you want to do of lowering the standards of Catholicism in order to engage the world at, at their level. So uh, we created Western civilization. Amen. We are the ones that influence culture. We do not compromise our values to the, to the culture. So uh, uh, <clears throat> I certainly believe, and, and, I'm in a, and I'm not alone, that it's been a, a great misfortune of... Uh, of the, the many appointments and, uh, and and implementations under this certain pontificate. Yeah, definitely. Are there any other stories that stood out to you this week? Yes, uh, being a big Padre Pio fan, uh, apparently there is, there was uh, there's a theory by Mario Regan, a, uh, an Irish blogger currently living in LA. That uh, she's also a big Padre Pio fan. She's putting it together condemium, compendium of uh, miracles of Padre Pio, and wow. she has a theory stating why Pope John the Twenty Third opened the Third Secret of Fatima, and it and it relates to uh, Padre Pio. So, so that's one uh, story that would be of interest to uh, your our viewers at GRN to to take a look at. There's a lot of good things happening in the church, not just the bad things. So, yeah, definitely.
<laughs> Adrian. Yeah, great. Thank you very much, uh, Tito. The the whole bigpulpit.com is such a huge help in aggregating these things. You know, I, I was I was just wondering about your your arm was over there is just we had to twist your arm over to to get you on the show and and it looks like we <laughs> twisted it too hard, didn't we? Oh, you guys are really good at that. I really appreciate you making sure that I, that I'm going to be on the show every every Monday morning. And yeah, it's okay. Uh, just a rotator cuff injury. Two of my four tendons are torn, and uh, I'm at I'm at the end of uh, my month recovery since the surgery. Hopefully, I'll be uh, I won't have to wear the sling anymore uh, come this Tuesday, and then uh, I'll be going in for therapy for the next few months. Awesome physical therapy. Yes, yes. Thank I'm, you, Adrian. Absolutely. I really appreciate that inquiry. Oh, praise be to God. I'm glad I'm glad you're doing doing okay oh, and it's all, all developing. You know, and one thing that I like about the bigpopo.com is you have things on the news, you have things on politics, things about the church, but you also have some things that are more positive. And you just mentioned one um, under your section on spirituality. Y'all talked a little bit. There's an article here by Father Z's blog, which I love reading Father Z's blog. Uh, that's great. Uh, Boethius, a man content to go to heaven alone will never go to heaven. What a great uh, article. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Oh, <laughs> a man content to go to heaven alone. Yes, F- Father Z is the granddaddy of all uh, Catholic bloggers out there. And uh, he posted on uh, St. Severinus Boethius. So several variations to his spelling, but uh, he was a 6th century uh, saint who was a philosopher. But uh, I, <clears throat> I, I apologize. Hold on one second. <clears throat> yeah, the in Boethius, uh, the article is really uh, really helpful in talking about the idea that you know, whenever you when someone goes to heaven, they don't go to heaven alone, and if someone goes to hell, they don't go to hell alone. No man is an island. Even if uh, you try to be, you try to like say try to put yourself by yourself and seclude yourself from society. At the end of the day, a man who's content to go to heaven alone will never go to heaven because that's right there is it's selfish it's against the virtue of charity and mm-hmm. if you end up going to hell well unfortunately that means you're going to be dragging other souls to hell with you and i think that's a very important message these days trying to think about you know our mission on earth it's not about making money it's not about trying to get the nice and fastest car it's not even about trying to change uh the culture which yeah we should trying to change the culture but that's not the goal the change in the culture is a result of the conversion of, per- of persons, of getting them to become Catholic, getting them to accept the teachings of our Lord, and it's necessary consequence of that action that changes the culture for the better. So we should try to think about that today, is try to, you know, direct ourselves yes. towards heaven. St. Bothius was... Uh, <coughs> uh, a person ahead of his time, so to speak, in Vatican II, uh, they, they informed us of the importance of the laity through holy example to convert others. That's how we converted uh, so many people in the early churches, through our own holy examples of how we carried ourselves in public. And when th- people think of evangelization, they think of somebody with the Bible knocking on doors. It's, a, it's significantly a lot more than that. We are all called to, to get into heaven and through our actions, 
how we treat each other, how we uh, how we ex- engage with other people. Amen. And so, yes, I completely agree. Bathias was ahead of his time when he when he was saying that you cannot go to heaven alone. You need to be bringing people along with you. When some Amen. when somebody says something contrary to the faith, you don't go ahead and nod your head in agreement because you want to stay silent and and uh, and not rock the boat. We are, we are called to evangelize through our example. So definitely, St. Bathias is a good man to follow. Praise be to God. Thank you so much, Tito. And uh, make sure to check out BigPulpit.com for the latest news stories there. Check out BigPulpit.com. It's time for a game show, 877-757-9424. Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. It's me, Joe McClain. Actually, it's not. Got to do the Jesus in the... Uh, interpretation. Praise be to Jesus Christ. I just lied. I committed a sin on air. Kind of like uh, how it's a sin for you not to call right now. one 757 9424 We need a caller on the line to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, where prizes are at stake. Now, if this is your first time listening and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm too scared. I don't know everything about the church. I I can't just call in right now at 1-877-757-9424. I just simply cannot pick up the phone right now and dial the number 1-877-757-9424 because 
I don't know all the answers. Well, the good thing is that you don't have to know anything to call in because the way the game show works is I'm going to ask Brent Haynes and I'm going to ask Adrian all of these different questions and they're going to come up with an answer. Now, where you come in is you decide who's right and who's wrong. And every correct answer is going to get you into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But in order for you to even get into this coffee cup of divine providence, we need somebody on the line. So you can call it one 757 9424 1-877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca is on the phone right now waiting to take your call. If you haven't played in, uh, I don't know, like a month or so, you're welcome to call back. If you're listening to us uh, on, I don't know, somewhere like uh, Florida, we haven't had a Florida caller in a while, you can call one 757 9424 and add your bets. You could call us from Kansas. We have a friend in Kansas. We could, yeah, where else, Adrian? Where haven't we had a call from? You know, we haven't had a call from Alabama recently. Oh, oh Alabama. And, you know, we love our Texas callers, too. You know, we get a lot of calls from San Antonio and Dallas and Midland area. So that's uh, 877-757-9424. And to get on the lines right now, because praise be to God, lines are right now, completely open. you have all the opportunity because the first caller is the game show contestant. So... Just call in 877-757-9424, and the first caller gets to be on the show. So be that first caller. Now, as I mentioned, uh, we do have secrets here. We have agendas. As Mr. McLean says, part of that is that uh, you don't need to know all of the answers. So if you're already calling right now and you didn't get a chance to get through, you can always call back tomorrow. But this week, we have a very wonderful prize. It's a mystery prize. I thought it would be fun to do this, Brent, because, you know, you ever go to a store and they have these mystery grab bags? Like, I've seen you? those, and uh, it's, it's a mystery to me, so I'm interested. I think it's enticing. We're going to give it a shot this week. I'm not going to reveal to you what the prize is this week, but it's a good one. And you can find out on Friday when we draw a name from the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. And it seems like we have a call on the line. Let's take a look here at who we are playing with. Let's see. Catherine from Bandera, Texas. Very good. Catherine, good morning to you. How are you? Good. How are you? Good morning. Praise be to God. Uh, we're alive and that counts. and forever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's go. May every heart and every knee bend to our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ the King. Amen. So how are things over there in uh, Bandera, Texas? Is that north it or south? It is going. That is southwest of San Antonio. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it's probably pretty hot, right? It's in the hill country, yes. Oh, gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah, I went to the hill country uh, last year. It was uh, wonderful. Was it, was it last year? I guess it was this year. I went to the hill country, tried those, uh, the blackberries and the Fredericksburg peaches. Oh, so good. Yeah, but Fredericksburg is north of us. Okay. We're like way down. <laughs> so what are you guys known for? Uh, cowboy capital of the world. Praise be to God. Are you wearing a cowboy hat right now? No. What about cowboy <laughs> boots? Uh, sorry. I'll bet they have some real I, men I'm, in Bandera. I'm a, uh, <laughs> I'm a sandal girl. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I'm wearing enough boots for everybody. I'm wearing like six pairs right now. Okay, I'm only wearing one pair. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Very good. Well, do you know how to play this game? 
I've heard, um, but I haven't I haven't heard it in a in a while. Okay, well, I'll give you a quick recap here. I'm going to ask the questions, and I'm going to ask them to not not particularly to yourself because that would be too hard. I think it would just be too too on the spot. So I'm going to ask uh, Adrian, and I'm going to ask Brent Haynes, and they're going to come up with an answer, and. It's up to you to decide who is right and who is wrong, who is tricky and who is telling the truth. Are you ready to play? Okay. Sure. All right, Catherine. Well, here we go. Thank you again for calling this uh, this morning. And uh, I'm going to shoot this question over to Brent Haynes. Brent, good morning to you. Good morning, Rudy. Should I emulate Joe and ask you how you're doing three times? <laughs> we have a question. I think going to be related to that. Well, praise be to God. All right, Brent, I'm going to ask you the question here. What famous Catholic invented analytical geometry? It's a math question. It's a math question, but it was actually, uh, he was also famous for philosophy. I was a philosophy major. Really? So, uh, Rene Descartes, who is also famous for saying, I think, therefore I am, was also a mathematician. Those fields often went together. That's true. But I was going to say. Rene Descartes, though, interestingly, when I was in college, they didn't tell me he was a Catholic. Oh. Hmm. Imagine that. Well, some people uh, kind of understand numbers are kind of a made-up thing. Well, in any case, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Adrian as well. Uh, Adrian, what famous Catholic invented analytical geometry? Yes. So the the famous Catholic. It's a pretty. He's a pretty amazing person. He was actually a pope as well. It was really? Pope Saint Adrianus. Pope Saint Adrianus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Catherine, you have choices here. Brent Haynes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, my Didn't goodness. Even, not, not even like a half a second to, uh, to think about it. Not at all. Catherine's like, nah, on fire. Catherine knows a lot. She's clearly very wise. There you go, folks. There you go. Well. No, it's just through the grace of God. Praise be to God. Well, you're in for one. Always Let's move on. <laughs> Amen. Let's move on to the second question here. I'm going to ask this to Adrian. Okay. Okay. Adrian, what is the term for the public proclamation of an intended marriage between three successive Sundays? Ah, yes. A lot of parishes don't do this anymore, but it used to be required, but they still do it at some places. And my friend's getting married. They're doing this right now at my parish. It's called the Bands of Marriage. They announce the pulpit, hey, these people are getting married. If y'all know any reason why they should not get married, then you better let me know. It's called wow. Bands of Marriage. Bands, huh? Like, uh, we're talking about like big band, brass nope. band? No, nope. B-A-N-N-S. B-A-N-N-S. Okay, Brent, I'm going to ask you, what is the term for the public's proclamation of an intended marriage between three successive Sundays? Actually, they do this at my parish because, of course, they tend a very orthodox parish. Uh, this is a term that people are more familiar with because it's carried over into sports. And because there are three, it is called the trifecta. The trifecta. All right, Catherine, you've got choices here. The triforce. <laughs> is it, as Adrian says, bands of marriage, or, as Brent says, the trifecta, otherwise known as the triforce? Adrian, the band? The issue's not, not, not too confident. <laughs> Catherine's in for two in the to the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God. Way to go, Catherine. Always and forever. Amen. You know that if whenever you say that Adrian's correct, you automatically become ten times more attractive, ten times younger, as wiser, scientifically proven. Scientifically oh, proven. great! Mm-hmm. Because I need it. I'm an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right, going back to Brent here. Brent, last question: True or false? 
We should do a truth or dare question instead. Yikes, let's not. True <laughs> or false, Brent? Divorce was accepted in the Old Testament. When the Old Testament, of course, everybody was under the law, and all a husband had to do to divorce his wife was to declare to her publicly three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. So it is true. Interesting. Wow. Adrian, true or false? Divorce was accepted in the Old Testament. Not there's, only accepted, but encouraged. There's no way the divorce is accepted in the Old Testament. I mean, it's not accepted now, so it couldn't have been accepted in the past, right? That makes sense. Hmm. Catherine, you have options here. Brent says true. It was allowed. I think it was Brent. It was true because Jesus said in, in the days of Moses, you know, and blah, 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 because he said it's okay. Doesn't because of the okay. hardness of your hearts, we allowed it. Yep. Now, yep. praise be to God. Always and forever. Amen. All right. Duh. Catherine, you are in. Duh. You are in for three into the coffee cup of divine providence. Boom. <laughs> Nailed it! Mike Go, drop. Catherine! Mag drop right there. Catherine is a uh, is three for three. Yeah, oh, so awesome! Thank you so much for calling this morning. We appreciate you calling in and uh, spending some time with us here on Catholic Drive Time. That is going to do it for us here. Catherine, on... make sure to stay on hold, and we'll get to you right after this. So exactly. Your contact information. All righty, bye, Catherine. We're experiencing a little bit of uh, of a delay here, but in any case. That's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. Praise be to God. We had a wonderful hour. And just as a recap, you can always go to GRN online forward slash CDT. And you can see all of the different podcast feeds that we stream to. And you can join all of those to uh, to uh, participate in the after show. So if you want to talk with us, interact with us live, go on to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In any case, you can also go to the website. Check out the podcast podcast feed. I'm just stumbling over my words here. Check out the podcast feed, and you can listen to our interview that we had with John Paul Tumba from TFB this morning. And uh, make sure to share that with a friend. Share that with uh, a young boy who might be interested in, in true masculinity. And uh, until tomorrow, God willing, may Our Lady keep us. God bless us. And uh, we'll see Join you tomorrow. Join us in the after show. Yeah. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Anthony Claret. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
Sing praise to God who reigns above, the God of all creation. The God of power, the God of love, the God of our salvation. With healing balm my soul he fills, and every faithless murmur stills. To God all praise and glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You plead for us at the right hand of the Father. Lord, have mercy. Now, mighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who for the evangelization of peoples strengthened the Bishop St. Anthony Marie Claret with admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. Be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. Immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is fitting among holy ones. No obscenity or silly or suggestive talk which is out of place but instead thanksgiving. Be sure of this that no immoral or impure or greedy person that is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient, so do not be associated with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Behave like God as his very dear children. Behave like God as his very dear children. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Behave like God, as his very dear children. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Behave like God, as his very dear children. 
Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Behave like God as his very dear children. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Your word, O Lord, is truth. Consecrate us in the truth. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who for 18 years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years now, ought she not to be have, been, have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at all the splendid deeds done by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Luke recounts is a very interesting story. We often hear Jesus curing on the Sabbath and the leaders of the synagogue or the religious leaders at the time um, really not uh, uh, appreciating the fact that Jesus was curing on the Sabbath. And we're always need to be reminded that why that was such a big controversy is because the Sabbath was the day of rest. And by resting, that is really doing nothing. Uh, or very, very, very little, was actually to imitate God, because God rested on the Sabbath day. And so we, or let's use the Jews, were to rest on the Sabbath day, to have to do absolutely no work at all, in order to imitate God, to behave like God. But of course, Jesus points out that uh, it's not that it's not really doing nothing. Uh, it's really it's doing the right things, or the most important things. For us, of course, as Christians, this means that we love God and our neighbor uh, to a high degree. I remember Joseph Pieper wrote a book, The Leisure, or Leisure, the Basis of Culture. In his time, this was back right after World War II in Germany, he was writing as a, as a Christian philosopher, asking the question about what, are, what it is that we are working, what is it that we are building? Because people at that time were trying to rebuild Europe, were trying to rebuild Germany after it had been bombed out, and they were, but they were just working. And he was asking the question, what is it that we are working for? What is it that we are building? And interestingly enough, in his reflection, he comes to understand that uh, leisure, that is, in a sense, not just relaxing, 
but really culture that why by doing those things that are important uh, by building up basically our relationship with God and with our neighbor that is the most important things then we really build up a culture we really build up a society that's going somewhere and going in the right direction it's true for us that we especially in, in America we tend to kind of work all the time we overwork of course now today Sunday is just one, either one more day of work or it's simply one day of the weekend where we don't have to do anything and we can find ourselves just sort of sitting on the couch um, maybe we're just watching football we need to relax that's one thing but we don't seem to be doing the right things focusing our relationship on God and on our neighbor if we don't do this then we simply just sit around and the grace that God has given us on Sunday the grace that we have received at the Eucharist simply just sort of dissipates but rather to put our hands to work in the right way so Jesus by curing says well isn't it true that on the the day of the Lord that somebody should come to be cured st. Paul in that first reading he basically says well what does it mean to behave like a God he says well first of all he says be kind to one another compassionate forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ so forgiveness is an absolute important thing then he goes on to say that we should live in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us that things like immorality impurity greed he says shouldn't even not even be mentioned among you as is fitting for the holy ones that silly talk suggestive talk obscenities this is really out of place this is not for us as Christians should really have a sort of a personal reflection of do those are those are the things that come out of our mouth but it would come out of our mouth really he says is Thanksgiving that's the first thing Thanksgiving our conference yesterday was when we think of the gospel yesterday about prayer he says if we would just take one day and just give all praise to God that our whole focus would be on God and in thanking him and praising him what we our life would probably be quite different instead of complaining or looking at what's wrong we would see that God has everything in control and we just need to praise him that's what we should do Thanksgiving mercy these are the important things this is the what this is how we because we have inherited the kingdom of God that is how we are to behave like children I think one of the things that we can mention in the gospel I remember when I was uh, working as a pastor in Phoenix uh, one of the persons suggested and I just thought you know I was thinking what Pope, how Pope Francis kind of mentions you know we always think of this is the way we've always done things this is the way we should always do them but what you know they were suggesting that we would have the parish office open on Sunday just my thought is like no, we're supposed to not. We're not supposed to do things like work, but to the point was, especially for the Hispanic community, which at that time was about seventy percent of the community. That's the only time when they probably come to church, and it's the only time that they really would get things done that they need to get done. It's true they should come through Monday through Friday when the office is open, but people sometimes simply can't do that. As much as what the, what the synagogue official says, he says, there are six days to be healed, come on those days, and from 9 to 5, okay, when the office is open. <laughs> come on those days, but don't come on Sunday. And although it never was implemented, it certainly has something that has stuck within me, in my heart, that to, to sure to be open, especially on those days, the day of the Lord, when people come to worship God, that there's other things of course that they need to be that need to be done and it may be the case that they're not able to come Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 when the office is open but always be able to be able to serve those who are in need may we behave like God as his very dear, dear children 
in, in uh, learning from the administration of St. Paul to forgive, to love our neighbor, even when it is inconvenient, even when it's a day that we, need, we want to sort of rest and get away from it all. It is rather the person that God places in our path that he, where he asks us to love and to serve him. Maybe we respond generously to that call. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. We pray for all who have bowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened as our by our, our love as our love of them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray too for ourselves gathered here, or those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, or all those who are enrolled in our Soul Mass Association, that as God does not cease to sustain us in the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Pray to the Lord. Lord hear our Let us pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our in your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting, they may obtain by your ready generosity, through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. For to the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. Praise and glory of his name. Good and the good of all his holy church. Look upon the sacrificial gifts we offer, Almighty God, on this feast day of Blessed Anthony Claret, and grant that we who celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion may imitate what we do now through Christ our Lord. 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Anthony Claret, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahold, Plenis Uncele et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice. And giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. 
Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Anthony Mary Claret, with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Preceptus Teletaribus Moniti, et Divina Institutione Formati, Audemus Dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, Adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos a malo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God.
Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light, says the Lord. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. By the power of this mystery, O Lord, confirm your servants in the true faith, that they may everywhere profess in word and deed the faith for which blessed Anthony Claret never ceased to labor and for which he spent his whole life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. Amen. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go make of all these
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Amy Shields from St. Dominic Village, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 